This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Jody Vanson for Simi Sarah. And you know, it was two years ago, October 1st, 2017, when that horrific mass shooting took place in Las Vegas at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival outside of the Mandalay Bay Hotel. And uh, many of us remember exactly where we were when we heard the news of that shooting. Uh, 58 people perished, four Canadians. Over 500 people were injured in that. And while the owner of Mandalay Bay, where America's deadliest shooting um, took place, they're, they're settling hundreds of lawsuits. And not all the victims are being paid out, but it's between 735 and $800 million in the civil class action lawsuit. Uh, one of the survivors is a Vancouver Island woman who joins us now on the line. Bree Jacobson is with us, lives on the island, as I said, and did not take part in the legal action after this mass shooting in Vegas in 2017. Bree, thank you for being with us. No, thank you for having me. I, I, I'm hesitant and reticent to uh, have you relive what must have just been an, an unimaginable horror. However, you have become somewhat of an activist and a, and a voice for... Um, a movement to to try and stem the flood of this epidemic of mass shootings. Yeah, um, it's a really wild thing to go through. Um, as a Canadian, we're not used to gun violence. We see it on television, whether you know you turn on the TV and there happens to be a violent movie going on, or unfortunately, if we turn on American news and it seems to be that they're shooting each other left, right, and center. But in, I mean, in Canada. We don't think about these things. So when we went down to the U.S., uh, to the Route 91 Festival in Las Vegas, we thought it was going to be like every other year that we had been down, and it turned out that it was very much so not. Can you give us an idea of what the experience was like without, again, asking you to necessarily relive the minutiae, but just just so our listener can, can understand what you've been through? Absolutely. Um, well, first, a lot of therapy allows me to be able to talk about these things. Um, but so I went with my mother, my aunt, and my best friend, Jessica. And my mom and my aunt were back at the bleachers because that's where they hung out every night. And Jessica and I, each and every night, evening, we had gone down into the pit to get, try and get as close as we could to get to, up to the stage. And we had had a really long couple nights for the last, the Friday and the Saturday. So originally on the Sunday, we were going to hang out near the back of the crowd. Um, and then for whatever reason, the sea of people just kept parting and we kept moving closer and closer to the stage. And, you know, it felt like that was just where we were supposed to be that night. And we had been struggling throughout because neither one of us are particularly tall. And everybody around us was much taller than we were. Um, it felt like we were in a wall of people, if you will, or a sea of people. And then Jason Aldean uh, was in the middle of his set, and we heard um, some pops. And at the time, I remember looking over at Jessica, and she just said, oh, it's just firecrackers. And I I remember thinking and saying out loud, what idiot brings firecrackers into a festival? Um, Again, because in Canada, we don't have to worry about these things. So our first thought was, you know, someone's just playing a practical joke or something. And then all of a sudden, the next round of pops came through, and they were a little faster, and we 
the guy standing directly in front of us that we had been standing on our toes trying to see around, um, he fell like a, a dancer or a boxer had just been, you know, KO'd. And he just tumbled like a tree. And, you know, at the time, I remember my brain processed it as, oh, the loud sounds must have just freaked him out and he's just passed out. And then other people around us started falling as well. And all of a sudden we realized that he wasn't breathing. So we tried to um, start CPR and and wasn't really aware of what was going on until all of a sudden I looked down um, at my feet and there was a perfect ring of blood around his head. And it was at that moment that I kind of realized that, oh no, this is, this is not firecrackers and we're being shot at. And we were stuck um, around the bodies that had fallen and, and the rest of the crowd because we were 10 feet up from stage on the center of the right, which was the closer side to the Mandalay Bay. Um, and of course, at the time, we didn't know where the gunshots were coming from. And we were stuck there for eight and a half minutes out of the 10 minutes of shooting. Wow. So, I mean, at the time, we're not, you don't really know where it's coming from. We, we could roughly hear the sounds of where it was going and I could, my brain consciously or subconsciously recognized that bodies were falling in different directions, but they were falling, they weren't falling towards the Mandalay Bay. And I guess I recognized that that meant that shooting couldn't be coming from that direction or something. So eventually we were able to turn and run, but um, I took a little bit of shrapnel in the leg and unfortunately I saw other people get shot while we were trying to flee and, and wasn't able to help. And, and we managed to get out Um and we hid in the Tropicana for a little bit. And it was just, it was one of those nights where you would, you, you could never ever dream of something like this happening. You could never, you could never think of this as being a normal thing because we don't ever hear what it's actually like to go through it. We always hear um, what it's like to be SWAT because that's what the TV shows always, they always show us the the heroes that come through, but they don't ever show you just, you know, the regular people that get affected by it because that's not the interesting story. But what I learned that night was, you know, some of the really interesting stuff that happens is not the glamorous, you know, TV cinematic showing that we all know and have seen to add on and apply to, you know, horrors as such. Now, we're with Bree Jacobson, a Vancouver Island resident who survived the Las Vegas mass shooting. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I understand, I'm looking at your Instagram, um, you actually uh, have said publicly that you forgive Stephen Paddock, the uh, man who opened, fired, and killed 58, injuring 500. Yeah, that was like, that was the day after the shooting, and I've kind of decided um, throughout my writing and everything else like that, that I, I wouldn't refer to him as, as his name. Mm. Um, that was, that's one thing within the survivor community. And like, this is something that we forget because in news, we always have to have our facts and, and, you know, people are people. Um, but I, I just refer to him as, um, the perpetrator. Okay. Um, because that's for me, that is the only value that he holds to my life. And I would like to think that if I had have met him before, um, and if he had have met me, that he wouldn't have tried to murder me. But there was also in a crowd of, you know, 22,000 people. And, and from that perspective, I don't think it was a personal attack. And for whatever reason why he did it, to, to me personally, um, it was irrelevant. It, didn't, it, did, it doesn't matter why somebody chooses to do that stuff. It mattered how he was able to do that, how he was able to access 24 guns and, and get bump stocks and 
have such an easy access to AR-15s and AR-10s and and why he was able to position himself in the Mandalay Bay for four days in a comped room. And, and there's all these things that led up to the shooting that I think should have flagged it. And the shooting was preventable. Like, there was no reason that 58 people had to die that night, and there was no reason that 22,000 people had to be shot at and survive with, you know, the tales of which we survive with today. So can you tell us why you opted to not be a part of the class action lawsuit against the Mandalay Bay? Yeah, absolutely. So we were actually approached by a couple law firms ahead of, like, afterwards, and we were given legal counsel here in Canada because in Canada we have different laws, obviously, than the United States. So there is a different take for us to get involved in it on the what-if options of, A, if the contract that we sign with them doesn't warrant enough dollars and cents sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because right off the top, they take um, 40%, I think, um, on The lawyers do. Yeah, the lawyers take 40% off right right off the top. And then there's fees... and your taxes and everything else that come off your settlement. So, like, for example, with the $800 million lawsuit, approximately, there's 2,500 plaintiffs that come with that. So right off the top, the lawyers have already made $320 million. And then if you hypothetically evenly divided between the 2,500 plaintiffs, People were getting approximately $192,000, depending on what their injuries were. And then you have to subtract your additional fees on top of that. So for us, we were concerned that there could be um, a, a consequence that if my case personally wasn't worth enough on in the law of the court, if, you know, if my mental injuries and my physical injuries were not bad enough, um, that's the easiest way of saying it, that the... Uh, lawyer could turn around and sue us for the difference in what they did not make back versus how much money they spent on our case. Wow. Yeah. So that was alarming. And at that point, when we had been approached by them, I was just beginning to become less of a corpse. Um, After the shooting, I went into like really, really serious shock and PTSD where I was not capable of doing very much of anything. Um, I got deeply into activism, but like I kind of pushed off the grief part of that. But that's another sudden point. Back to the point, back to your original question. Sorry. No, no, it's that's an important piece of this because yeah. I wanted to say, understandably. Yeah. So, so we go through. The first point was um, we didn't know if there was if it went the other way, how much money it was going to cost us to be a part of a class action suit. And because we're Canadian, there was you know legal things and borders and international rules and all sorts of stuff that, you know, kind of went over top of my head, but it gave off a couple red flags for my parents. And they had talked to people that had been involved with U.S. class action suits as Canadians, mm. and they had been burned really badly. Cause, so it could have just extended the, the trauma and the stress and the, and the sort of... Absolutely. The, the, the PTSD. There's no yeah. real other way of putting no, this. That, that is the easiest way of saying it. Yeah, it's a cautionary it, tale, certainly. Brie, I have to ask you... Um, you're writing a book, are you not? I am, yes. And when, when can we expect to read that? Um, well, every day is really hard to get words out because I have to go back into my trauma. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping to have it out within the next year. Um, my biggest hurdle right now is realizing that in the publishing game, if you don't have 
you could have a really fantastic story, but if you don't have an agent, um, a lot of publishers don't want to look at you. So I'm currently looking for agents. Um, if anyone is listening. <laughs> if anybody is listening, I will read this book, as will so many others who are just enthralled with your story and your strength. Uh, Bree, I appreciate so much you taking some time and being so open and honest with this, uh, the story of your life that took a turn that no one really wants to ever imagine. Thank you so much for this. Not a worry. Thank you for having me on. It's nice to not be silenced. I am very glad to uh, share your voice with our listener. That's Bree Jacobson, the Vancouver Island resident who's survived the Las Vegas mass shooting, did not take part in the class action lawsuit, the civil suit that Mandalay Bay is settling between $735 and $800 million uh, to some of the survivors, uh, some 2,500 claimants. Um, certainly, if you're interested in being Bree Jacobson's uh, literary agent, just uh, contact the radio station. My email is jody at cknw.com and we'll put you in touch with her.